MFs. Doing it again. Hustle like you broke. Recording today, August 20. Expect to be airing next week. Appreciate all the love and support we've been getting recently and just excited to be with you as I uh, frankly don't have a whole lot else going on these days. And what else is new? State of the world, still fucked. By the time we air, we should be hearing about what came back out of the DNC convention that just is wrapping up today on date of taping. Hoping our uh, Democratic nominee has something illuminating to add to the conversation. Frankly, more uh, impressed by LeBron James, of all people, was with his modified MAGA hat he was supporting the other night, which read, Make American, Make America Arrest the Cops Who Killed Brianna Taylor. I appreciate the NBA for allowing the players to express themselves in their attire, hats, T-shirts, back of their jerseys, all of that. Very excited for what they are doing in the bubble. Was just talking to today's guest about the little bubble that they are creating in anticipation of recording this year's VMAs. Perhaps that will come back up in today's conversation. But before we get there, I mean, I brought up basketball already. I may as well bring out one of my co-hosts, Mr. Motherfucker himself, Kyle Hamilton, and ask him. The Lakers. I mean, can y'all contain Damian Lillard? I mean, he went off the other night. He has been killing it leading up to these playoffs and, uh, I mean, I guess we will know by the time we air. I know my Celtics are up two right, as of right now. Handed the Sixers their ass yesterday. But are you Lakers going to make a run? What do you think? I think the East is stronger than the West right now. You tell me. The East is never stronger than the West, first of all. Uh, secondly, yeah, we took an L the other day. Damian Lillard shot a 36-foot free throw, and uh, he's on fire right now. But we contained him because he only scored, uh, what, 30 points that game? <laughs> Versus the 50 he scored the other night. But nonetheless, yeah, we're going to shut him down. Let him get game one. It's cool. It's a seven-game series. Lakers will be okay. Everybody who see it just goes back to everything, you know. People say the Lakers are number one seed, but they're soft still. We just got to get used to this uh, bubble. Got to get used to the fraudulent crowds. Just you know, they should have took all that stuff out. It should just just be playing. I mean, it's good for us at home because it almost feels like it's not a non regular game because of all the things they pipe through the uh, through the audience. I mean, through the uh, speakers, i.e. audience, the DJ breaks, the stomping, everything, the the fake crowd, the cheers. But let's just keep it real. There's nobody in there. So they're playing with intensity that 
I didn't think they could have, but Damon Lillard, he got off. But again, they're number eight for a reason. I mean, that may be true. And, and, but, but a couple of corrections here. First of all, Damian Lillard didn't hit 50 points in one game. He hit like, he went for like 160 over the last three leading up to these playoffs. I think one of them so, games he hit like 50. He did something crazy. Oh, no. I, I'm saying he averaged over 50 yeah, in those, those games. Damian Lillard, he's a beast, and you can't take nothing away from him. I mean, he's been a monster for a long time, but it's more than one person to, to take you over the top. So they need to shut that center down. He he was a other he was a other deciphering factor in the game too. Um, <clears throat> and Lakers just got to be, be more aggressive on defense. You know, they didn't protect the three point line at all, and they really didn't protect the paint. So once they locked down at least one of the two, or two of the three. That'd be okay. All right. All right. Well, LeBron, if you're listening, you heard it from Kyle. You know what you got to do. He's got faith. I mean, I I, I tend to agree with you that the West is typically stronger than the East, but Celtics are looking great. Bucks, I mean, really? Can anybody stop Giannis? Do do we really think that that he's going to lose? This might be his year. I'm just saying. I don't know. Yeah, it looks good day game one, game two, game three. Even it, how about this? The first round always looks good. Let's get into the second and third. Then we'll talk. Then we can talk. Well, now wait a second. Slow down. Isn't that kind of the, the problem though? We got a seven game series. Let's not be looking ahead to the next round yet. Let's talk well, about this. Thing. You're the one who's busting talking about the Boston Celtics looks ama- look amazing. Let's see how they get out of the first round. All right, all right. Them some fighting words, motherfucker. I got you. I got you. Well, by the time we air, you and me, we're going to have a different conversation, and uh, we'll see where it is. We had the same conversation. I just edit the shit. (laughs) (laughs) Motherfucker. Well, I mean, in other sporting news, my my hapless Red Sox are on an epic losing streak right now. I'm just hoping that by the time we air, they're not down 12-plus in a row. Shit ain't looking so good. In a 60-game season, I, I just... Postseason, I don't know. I, I I don't know if that's a thing. I don't. At what point is it possible to be only four weeks into a season and already know that the postseason is out of reach? Shit. And and speaking of postseason in other sports, like I was talking to our tech support Sam earlier, and he mentioned hockey, and I I told him straight up, like some of my best friends are big hockey fans, and. I haven't heard a fucking thing about the NHL playoffs this season. So, I mean, shit, I guess that's happening, but fuck if I know. More relevant to me, to us, to our business, and I'm curious, Kyle, your position on this too. What the fuck is wrong with the NFL? Like, what the fuck is wrong with Goodell? As, as a general, like, I know he's a piece of shit. Of course, as a Pats fan, I it's not that I have to think it, he's a piece of shit. It's that no team has exposed him for being a piece of shit than the Pats. And, of course, El Prez, Dave Portnoy from Barstool, over and over again, reminding him that, and reminding the world that he's just a fucking loser. But, I mean, come on. Is, is he just trying to act like, like dear leader or something? And, and just hands off, oh, we're going to let the teams figure it out for themselves. And Raiders have come out, your Raiders, Kyle, and said no home, no uh, fans 
in the stands this season. Yeah, because we play in a dome. If uh, I mean, and we if there was an open air, like for instance, I bought Chargers season tickets on the visitor side so I could watch Raider games. So the Chargers are still allowing, I think it's twenty uh, percent occupancy in their in their stadium. So hopefully, I'll still be able to be the first person to sit in my seats that I purchased. So even if I go to one game or two games, whatever, well, it would probably be the one game, um, which is toward the end of the year. Nonetheless, you know, if it's an open air facility, they'll let you, they'll let you rock out. I mean, I guess, but my pats are being at least semi semi responsible saying no one in the stands for the home games in September and they're going to take it month to month. Makes sense. I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, you know, people have to practice. I mean, again, everybody's always arguing over these damn masks. Just put on the fucking mask and let's keep it pushing. You know, um, that's all we need to do is wear the masks and, and, and be accountable for you. Don't worry about the next man. Make sure you good. And if you good, then the next person will be good. But the fact that people are talking about you messing with my rights. Look, it's a right for them not to allow you in their facility if you don't have on a fucking mask. So you contradicting yourself. Put on the damn mask and let's have a good time. I mean, you know I'm with you 100% on that. And, and I'll be honest. Now, my son is is a soccer player, plays on a club team. And um, they came out with new state regs here just recently. And now he has to wear a mask in play. And they're allowed to have games. They've changed the regulation slightly. They got to kick the ball in instead of throw the ball in. Some dumb shit like that. I get it. They're trying to be safe. But I thought he was going to freak the fuck out about having to wear a mask while he plays. I mean, he's, you know, he needs circumstances. He's like, you know, like most artists, like most athletes, like their mind needs to be right when they take the field, like little shit can fuck them up. And and I was concerned that this was going to fuck him up. He's asthmatic too, so not that that's a thing. Again, we've kind of ruled out that asthma is a is a cause of the fucking COVID and whatever. But I thought the idea of him wearing a mask was going to freak him the fuck out. The truth is, he's been cool with it. Like it hasn't been a thing for him yet. I just wish other people could just shut the fuck up and put their masks on, and you know, figure it out. But I mean, but that's a thing. It's the masks, and and it's also your other thing, Kyle, the fucking hand-washing, right? Like, I was playing golf with my buddy CJ yesterday. And CJ, you guys all know CJ. He's production manager. He's been one of my closest business associates for 15 years, been out on any number of tours that that I've put together. And um, we we play golf once a week. We try to every summer. We were at this course yesterday. That was out by where he lives. It's like 75 mes- minutes west of Boston, which, I mean, it, it, it looked like fucking Alabama. He lived in like Amityville or some shit. I mean, we were in the middle of fucking nowhere. You drive over the road rail- railroad tracks and past the old farm road and the dilapidated buildings, and you come to this beautiful fucking course. But that's all besides the point. So for the first couple of months that we were playing golf, the restriction was you can't go in the clubhouse. They're not serving food, any of that. Well, thank goodness that's changed because I, I showed up yesterday after this fucking three-hour three drive to the, to the course. 
and I had to hit the head. So I'm in the bathroom doing what I got to do. And in and out come these, you know, old men doing their thing, washing their hands or not. And that's the fucking thing, right? Like, like I, I've been telling my kid for years, like getting your hand wet is not the same thing as fucking washing it. But these guys, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old, they don't wash their fucking hands. And what's to make the first motherfucker not to wear a mask either. Well, that's what the fuck I'm talking about. So what the fuck do we have to do to get these fucking people to wash their fucking hands? I'm not even talking about 20 seconds, sing the fucking happy birthday in your head twice to get through it or whatever. Like just fucking put some soap on it. Like, make a little bit of an effort or something like no wonder I'm fucking paranoid touching shit inside a bathroom got like germaphobe before this fucking COVID thing happened. Like this is an example of why, and this is why I'm concerned. We come back for this shit and we're expecting all the crews to be washing the hands before they go into catering before they touch a mic and hand it off to the artist. Like, is that really the fucking world we live in? Is that, is that going to happen? We know. From gigs we've seen, we've heard from people, Kyle, you told us the story yourself, where even when masks are required, good percentage of the people aren't wearing them. And we've seen, as I'm saying, with our own eyes, people that go in and out of the bathroom and don't wash their fucking hands after taking care of their business. Like, forget they touch shit and they need to wash the hands in order to make sure that they're sanitized and not spreading a virus. They don't even wash the hands after they touch their fucking dick. So what the fuck are we supposed to do to trust people and come back for this shit? Start whooping ass. For real, though. You can't hit me. I'm a, I, you, you just piss, I'm going to beat your ass because you're potentially trying to make me sick. Exactly. It's a rough world. Meanwhile, back in the world, a Republican-controlled Senate Intelligence Committee finally released their findings on Russian interference, determining that it did happen, that this shit wasn't a witch hunt, that there was collusion on the Trump campaign, And it didn't even fucking make headlines. Like, that's the fucking world we live in. Like, all of this shit is fucking crazy. Steve Bannon just came out as stealing money from people that were trying to put up money for Trump's fucking stupid-ass wall. I mean, why he's even still talking about a wall to Mexico is the only fucking country that'll allow us in right now. And he's still got beef with them. Nowhere else wants us. Anywhere in the world. But anyway, in better news, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer is showing support for the Save Our Stages Act to support independent venues. That's a sign of some positive movement. Michael Strickland continues to make headway on support for independent contractors, hoping more on that soon. We do have this red alert restart situation coming up September 1. I'm going to be talking to another guest about that in the near future. 
excited to uh, see what comes of that, about that. If anybody hasn't heard about that yet, buildings across the country, historic major buildings like Empire State Building, shit like that, are going to be lighting up their entire buildings in red as a show of support for the live event industry, for economic relief, for those of us out of support. You can only hope that there is more of that to come. And um, actually, some really good news for all of us, and I am personally very happy for him. My friend Robert Gibbs, we've all talked about him. We've referenced him. I, I was just referencing him on a podcast. I hit him on this as soon as I saw the headline. and We had a good laugh the other day because I told the story recently about how Robert Gibbs and my buddy Elliot, the travel agent, and I went out to dinner before a tour some years ago. And Robert told the story about how the travel agent always gets more recognition than the booking agent. Well, Robert was just named the first black department head at a major music agency. He is the head of contemporary music at ICM. Kudos to him. Proud to say I knew you when. I know you're going to do great things. I think that's a sign of more to come, I hope. We're all about diversity on this program. We've uh, talked about it since day one. It's not just what we stand for, it's who we are, and um, kudos to him. That being the case, we do have another co-host with us today, Ms. Christine Dallas. How are you, Dallas? I am here. I'm here and excited to talk with my friends. Well, we're glad to have you. I do know, as you said, there is some storminess in your area. I hope you're able to stay with us for the duration. Of course, you live in fucking Miami. What the fuck else is new? It's always stormy there. Easy now. It's just the season. You know, <laughs> we all have seasons. It's one of our seasons. And uh, no, I was a little, it was a little stormy this morning. Rained out my little fun parade that I was going to have at the beach this morning. But anyway, you learn to live with it and you embrace the fact that you never have snow. Well... I do get that part. Sad to report that our other co-host, Brother Banks, is not with us today. But on that note, very happy to report we have a tremendous guest with us. Our first drummer on the program. I was going to say our first musician on the program. Though I suppose Charm LaDonna, with her new record, qualifies in that respect. But our first member of the band, he is one of the most in-demand drummers on planet Earth. If your name ends in a vowel, odds are he's played with you. Madonna, Rihanna, Lady Gaga, Camilla Cabello, J-Lo. Of course, Stevie Wonder doesn't end in a vowel, but I think that deserves <laughs> some serious accolades. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> he is a endorser of Yamaha, Remo, Sabian, and Vader. I hope you can tell us a little about that because that whole side of the business is something that we have not covered once. And I'd also like to point out, though you just heard his voice, before we bring him on the program, I do understand he has a book 
coming. It's either out or coming soon. Pop, R&B, and gospel drumming. Please, everybody, welcome to the program, Mr. Chris Johnson. Thank you guys so much for having me. Well, we appreciate you being with us. I, I hope I got some of your uh, your backstory right. Yeah, you did. It, it's it's all unbelievably true. Can't really believe it. He sounds so humble. <laughs> Are you I saying he's not? Time. Are you already fucking with him? Is the gloves coming off 30 seconds into bringing him out? I mean, for real, Kyle. He's like, thank you for all of my accolades. And yes, <laughs> that is me. Or am I me? Somebody is me. <laughs> Let me make you some pancakes. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> man, Kyle's kind no, of man. impressed with himself already here. No, Kyle, Kyle know what it is. I've, I mean, I've known him forever. And and I, I am humble, but I, I am also grateful, you know, to be able to say that I've done that. You know, it sounds unbelievable when you name off all those names. It's, it's like, yeah, right, this guy. But um very fortunate and grateful, you know, to be able to have experienced those experiences and look forward to the next ones. Well, ain't that the truth looking forward to the next one. I totally appreciate that. But but let let's start by taking us back to the beginning. Now, I understand actually that you didn't have formal classical training as a drummer or anything like that. So tell us how this happened. Tell us how you started playing drums and, and tell us a little bit about your journey to where you are today. The streets taught me. No, I'm just joking. Um, church, the total opposite of the streets. Uh, my father was a pastor in LA, uh, was because he is uh, deceased now, but, um, yeah, I grew up in, in L.A. Uh, in the church scene. My mom was the, the choir director, uh, so I got it on both sides. You know, she she wouldn't let me slide with any of the rigmarole from drums. You know, I had to be, you know, spot on. You know, so, so, you know something like what it's supposed to be now, like with playing with a band, you know, I have to be spot on. You know, um... I just played what I heard, you know, drummers like uh, Joe Smith, Marvin McQuitty, Calvin Knapper, um, Jeff Lowe Davis, um, you know, all these guys. And wow, just thinking about it, three of those that I named are, have left us. Um, but those were the only drummers that I could actually listen to uh, with the strictness of my parents listening to gospel music only. And um, I just played what I heard, and if it felt good and it sounded good, you know, I gravitated toward it and, and kind of studied that. Um, I didn't get a lot of practice time, study time to myself. It was more on like, you know, during church services or, you know, between periods at school, you know, I would hop on the drum set and kind of like work some things out or replay, you know, some things I heard from a record or, or whatnot. But yeah, it just came naturally to me. Uh, drums did. Um, all the other instruments are just, they just seem too difficult. You know, it's too many keys. It's too many, you know, variables. You, you, you got to do too much to play keys and guitar. Bass, maybe I could pick up bass, but, 
you know, just the time that it takes, you know, to, to work on your craft, um, 10,000 hours. I don't have 10,000 hours to spend on bass right now, but, um, again, just, just drums. It, it, I just gravitated to it. You know, it, it held a certain type of responsibility and being in a band setting, you know, every, everyone says it, you know, from, you know, my mom at church all the way to Stevie Wonder, you know, drums are the driving force of the band. So, you know, without a good drummer, you know, it's pretty much all for not. So let's concentrate on the things you can control. You like do the things that you know how to do, do those good, perfect those, and then we can move on to the next. So, you know, my start was basically just on the job training. It's a, it's a crazy story and a crazy way to think about it that way. But yeah, it was just, you know, when I, when I got a chance to play, I did what I knew. I didn't want to try anything overly extra, you know, because I knew my mom would look at me like I was crazy. So, you know, I just kind of kept it chill and kept it cool and, and took the experiences that, you know, every experience from my first time ever being on a stage, you know, with monitors and lights and all that stuff, like from that time, you know, to currently now experiencing things that, you know, helped me build who I am character wise and, you know, as a musician as well. Well, it sounds to me you kind of caught that bug. Like you picked up the drums and you're like, ah, shit, this is it for me. I mean, is that, is that the case? Yeah. I mean, uh, I have three older brothers and the oldest, you know, was more on the uh, ministry side and, you know, he would um, mediate the services and, you know, sing. He also sang and preached. The brother under him, he played drums first. And um, once he graduated to like the keys and organ, you know, then I hopped on drums and the brother that's under him was also singing and, you know, helping my mom with the choir and vocals and all of that stuff. So we each took a, you know, a part in the church, you know, to get our things, you know, together as far as, you know, music. Cause my, you know, my mom and dad were both musicians. Their dad and moms were musicians. Uh, my uncle played guitar in the church. So, you know, it was a very, you know, musically inclined family. So I, I really didn't have a choice. I, it was just basically what instrument or what am I actually going to do? All right. Well, sounds like it's in your blood. I, I want to go back and point out that you made it sound a few minutes ago like drums was easy compared to the piano or the bass or the guitar or whatever. But, I mean, I know from my own experience that's anything but the case. And Not that I've spent much time at it, but, I mean, two hands, two feet, two feet all doing something different. That, that shit ain't easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it. I mean, it just came more natural than keys or guitar. Like guitar, you have to use, you know, all your fingers to create chords. You know, and it. And I see these guitar players, and they're playing chords like back to back to back to back to back. You know, I can barely finger one chord out. It takes me an hour to finger a chord, and then by that time, my fingers are hurting. Or the you song know, is over. Or. The- <laughs> Or the song is over. So, you know, with drums, it's just with the rhythm, it's it's just something more consistent, you know, which eat with each limb. You know, you can kind of catch on and you just playing different combinations of whatever, 
you know, to create that beat and that groove. And, you know, when you're playing in a band setting, you know, you're just sitting somewhere and just chilling. Like, it's it's not, it's not, you know, rocket science. You know, it's just a matter of just being in the pocket, you know, knowing everybody else's part so you, you know where to sit in the song, you know. Well, I always thought the drummer had the best seat in the house. I mean, most of the time, whether you're in the back, in the middle, or you're looking out, you see the whole band, you see the you see the front person, man, woman, whatever. You see the entire audience looking back. I mean, that's 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 something that uh you know people dream about. So, I mean, tell us, I guess, uh, just tell us more. I I just want to know, like, you're backing Gaga. What what's that like? Uh, honestly, it's it it's gonna sound funny, but it you know it's just like any other gig, you know. And I'll explain what I mean. Um, I have played with some incredible artists. Some of those overlapped, you know. Some of those, you know, I had to make a choice. Um, in making those choices, I had to consider two things myself and my family. So um, when I got called for the Lady Gaga gig, you know, it it was like, all right, cool, another opportunity to make some more money for my family. You know, just basically setting us up in a better position than we are now. So I, I have learned over the years to detach, um, like, the excitement of a gig and the person you know, to the, you know, to the business side and the aspect of it that actually matters. You know, every gig I've ever played, you know, I've heard we're family. And I'm sure you guys have heard that as well. But you don't necessarily get treated as a family, family member, you know. No, I, I, I understand what family means. It, it just means um, I care about you enough so you can give me what I need from you basically. And that's, uh, playing drums on stage. So, you know, when out of all these artists I've played for, when the pandemic hit, um, one unnamed artist reached out and actually that's not true. No artist reached out. One manager reached out from a camp. And, um, I thought that was very, it just made, it just confirmed basically how I was feeling with, you know, going from gig to gig. I treat it like a business deal, and I I don't get my emotions attached to it. So, playing behind Lady Gaga is just the same as playing behind Maya back in the day, or um, Rihanna, or J Lo, or Stevie, or whomever. You know, I'm there to do a job. I'm there to do an excellent job. Um, they obviously know what I can bring to the table, what I'm capable of, so there's no pressure there. You know, all I have to do is just perform, you know, grab my cheese and, and head to the house. You know, we can we can socialize, we can, you know, we can be at parties, we can be at these different events. You know, we can even be called family, but the reality is it's 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 just another job, you know, until until the dynamic changes between, you know, artist band or whoever name is on the marquee versus um, who's the support, you know, generally we're the support. So I'll act as such, you know, I'm not going to do anything to jeopardize your name, you know, as the artist, 
but I am going to look out for myself and I am going to make sure that I'm okay and my family is okay. So I was, I was excited for a new journey, but it, 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 I treated it just like another game, honestly. Well, you wrote an article and I wish I could credit accordingly, but as soon as I dump into it, I suppose you can tell us it was 10 way. It was essentially 10 ways that you became successful as a drummer. Do you know the article in question? I'm not entire. I, I do remember that article. I don't remember who the interviewee was. Um, was it the ones to watch? Uh, ones the, to watch. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. And, it, and it, it looks like you wrote this as opposed to being interviewed for it. Am I right? I don't, I, I was actually interviewed uh, for that. I'm, I'm not sure how the wording came off. Like I'm, I'm sure they use like quotes and stuff, you know, from what I said and, and, and kind of put things together. But yes, I, I do remember that interview now. Yeah. So I, I want to call attention to that specifically and kind of walk through it because you've touched on a bunch of the points here. And, and frankly, to me, this is, this is a very astute commentary, not just on drumming, but on success in all walks of life. And, you know, our business, I like to think, is relatable to the world beyond just those who work in music, those who are whether on stage, behind the scenes, doing any of our jobs or otherwise. We've had guests in sports. You know, we're looking forward to bringing up guests in film and television and other avenues, other areas, other mediums to show just the overlap in what we're doing. But, but I actually think this is a, an exceptional interview, as it turns out. Um, I, I think that what they must have done is basically take each of these 10 elements and then quoted you in, in the responses. But rather than reading off your quotes, I'd, I'd, I'd kind of like to walk through the highlights and have you talk to us a little more about, about each, each element. You've been talking about the first one, which is basically music is music. You play your part, as you said before, you know, who you're playing with, you know, the other artists on stage, all of that. It's all music. I mean, anything else you would add to that? Um, no, I mean, just the same approach, you know, like my mom, you know, she was a a stickler on being on time, being prepared. Um, when you're prepared and you're on time, the rest of the day and everything else just goes how it's supposed to go. You know, rushing is not my forte. I I can't, um, function rushing. You know, I, I learned that early on. So, um, it's just to basically, when it comes to the music, just, you know, be prepared, be on time, be at your best at all times. Like rehearsal, Kyle can attest to this. A rehearsal is like a show for me. Like there's no, um, you know, I'm not taking it easy because of rehearsal. You know, I'm performing each time that I sit down. So I think it's important to recognize that as well. You know, outside of the business, music is music and it's not difficult you know pick pick your part play that part and be cool with playing that part you know because it's not really about us as individuals it's about the band supporting a particular artist there it is that that broader theme of know your know your role as the as the patriots would say do your job absolutely so what's that now i said we got we just rentals out here they just rent us for the time being that's well, 
Okay, okay, but but that actually plays perfectly into into number two on this list, Chris's list of ten ways. The second one is set yourself apart stylistically. Now I like that because that implies being more than just a rental, or as a rental, you know, still being yourself and doing it, do your thing, and and tell us more. What what does that mean to you, Chris? Please. Style. I mean, that's that's a lot of different things. You know, your style, like. Just imagine this, a bunch of uh, great drummers playing on a kit that sounds terrible. Okay, so my style in particular, I like open sounding drums. I like big sounding drums. I like them tuned, not even perfect, but just good enough for the room, you know, to give the engineer something to work with. You know, I don't like a lot of reverbs. I like the naturalness of the drum, and that's how I like my drums to sound. So stylistically, I'm starting there. You know, I want it to be bearable when when I play. You know, I want you to be able to take it, because if my drums don't sound good, it's going to be harder to to understand, you know, the other part of the style. Um, the second part of that is more like um, treating the song like it's a ramp, like an on-ramp on the freeway. Just imagine trying to drive um, a car up a flight of steps, right? Like the the rocky steps in Philly. Let's let's get a car to drive up, you know, a flight of steps. I mean, I think some people, when they approach a, a song or, you know, an arrangement, they approach it, you know, with what's the end? You know, the ending part is where I want to get off or... Let me pick my spots to get off. It's like, no, let's take it gradual like a ramp. Like it's harder to get up a ramp when there are stairs. Like you're trying to skip certain aspects of the of the music versus just taking the ramp, you know, at a moderate speed. And when you get to the end, you get to the end. You know, like taking it in doses. Like don't rush. Don't overkill. Don't overthink it. You know, take your time. You know, that's a part of my style as well. And and adding a little something, you know, play the record, but stylistically add, add something that won't take away from the groove and that will accentuate what the artist is doing. Maybe like a vocal part or if the keyboard player is playing the lead line and it has, you know, a part that, you know, you would want to accentuate with a cymbal swell or a splash cymbal or whatever, you know, those little small intricate things can make, you know, the song feel differently, you know, not to overkill it, just, just, just enough. Like, don't give it too much. Just give it a little bit. All right. Now these next couple seem self-explanatory, so you can add to them or not. But number three was touring is a business. And we, I mean, we, we, that's what this podcast is all about. It's all about the business of touring, the various roles within it. You know, I think it's pretty obvious. You know, artists are in the business of making money. Our job is to support them in some form or fashion. Sometimes we fit into a particular artist's vision. Sometimes we don't. You know, in sports, they say, you know, it's a business. You know, you might fit into the offensive scheme one year and then not the next. And that's just how it goes. And and I would think that that's, again, fairly self-explanatory. But anything you care to add there? Before you answer that, Chris, I've got a question, Matt. Since we do have Chris on the line, uh, 
incredible drummer. How would you pay him? What would you how what do you think his salary should be? Because you always penny pension. Um, I, I, since 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 you're just trying to bust my balls, I suppose the answer would be one dollar more than you. Wow. Well, okay. I'll, I'll take that one then. <laughs> I know I I know Kyle's lifestyle. I know. I, I know exactly what Kyle does, what he likes, and I know what he likes is of it's an expensive taste. We both share the same favorite Indian restaurant in London. It's not a cheap place. I know what's up. I know what's up with Kyle, so I'll take a dollar more than Kyle. <laughs> I'm I'm not mad at that at all. <laughs> not for real. <laughs> Now, for real, it's uh, okay, Matt. To explain or to break down a little bit more of why I approach it this this way, um, Kyle can remember this uh, Diamonds World Tour. We were doing arena venues just Dallas as well too. as what'd you say? Dallas can remember Diamonds World Tour too. Oh, the, oh yeah, okay, Diamonds yeah. World Tour Dallas. We're yep. doing. Um, arenas as well as stadiums, right? Arenas as well yep. as stadiums. Keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. So we get to France and we're now at the first show of the stadium tour of the arena tour. Uh, my arena tour rate was a certain amount, $1 more than Kyle. And then um, we get to the stadium, which is, you know, 81,000 people you know, at the same dollar amount ticket-wise, but only multiplied, you know, 81,000 times. But my uh, my rate remained, remained the same. And I don't know why I couldn't get into that show. It was with Stade de France. I don't know why I could not get into that show, but I just kept thinking it's a lot of people out here and I am making less than point zero zero whatever percent on each ticket you know what i mean so if if this was actually you know a business deal and i approached this as business i would have recognized okay there's a couple of stadium runs in here i need like a bonus of a a five grand bonus for each you know stadium that we do on the run like i didn't get it until then and i'm literally playing the show thinking about all of this stuff and that's where it changed for me. You know, so business, it has to be in the forefront. You know, Gaga calls. It's like, we got these dates, this and that, whatever. Okay, what is the rate? What What is the rate that you have in mind? And then I'll tell you what I have in mind. And I'll also tell you what you're going to get with the rate that I have in mind. You know what I mean? And it, it, And sometimes I caught myself, I catch myself in this position a lot to where you know, the band as a whole is unhappy with the rate, you know, but I, as the individual, would somehow be caught in the middle between management and the artists talking about rates. And and answers come off this way. Well, you know, if I do this for you, I'm going to have to do this for the entire band, and we can't do that. You know, that's the craziest thing I ever heard in my life. But once once it got there... You know, I, I had to learn how to detach from it. And it, and if the 
the gig doesn't make sense to do, it don't make sense to do. You know, people say it all the time. Like, you quit Stevie Wonder? Like, yeah, I did. Because it didn't make sense. Like, granted, the greatest musical experience of my life to date is playing with Stevie Wonder. Like, that, that there's nothing greater than that musically. But business-wise, it just wasn't cutting it for me. And that's with most, if not all, the gigs that are out right now. So, you know, and I'm even more afraid you know, of going back into it because now it's it's going to be even less than what we agreed upon, you know, pre-pandemic. You know, everybody's going to be struggling and scrambling to try and make ends meet and Live Nation releasing these articles about basically the, the artist has to take care of everything. And if we're family, we're really going to see how, that, how that's going to work, you know. It's We're more than, not family. More than likely going to be a DJ with dancers and a bunch of productions. So, you know, I am anticipating on, you know, keeping, you know, my look and outlook and sticking to my guns with this business thing. Because that's the only way that we're going to, you know, kind of advance ourselves in this industry. Well, I would only add a couple of things. One, I hope that everybody doesn't just go back to a DJ because it's what easy. I understand that there's a certain thought process there, but certainly doesn't add to the show. I would also add to the point about touring as a business. A wise one man once said to me, you're not worth what you say. You're worth what you negotiate. Mm. I have to learn that. I I literally had to learn that like you can like there was a I, I don't like to to call names with bad situations but you know there was a gig where they were like um okay we got dates from the 21st to the 27th how many days is that that's 7 days right is that 7 days is that 6 days 21st through the 26th and how much would you like your day rate to be? And I said 500 would be a fair day rate. Well, I think that's too much. Well, maybe you could, I could recommend you to someone that can get the job done for you. You know, like we, we try and negotiate the best way we can and we fall into, in the, uh, in the position of not actually getting and doing the gigs you know we understand people give their right arm to be in the positions we're in we get that but if i don't take this gig then i'm just basically taking money out my my family's uh miles you know taking it off the table but we have to kind of get out of that fear factor because if we don't ask we never will get that well we never will get or even half of that you know and i shoot for the moon like how much do are you willing to you know, how much are you looking to get paid a week? 10000 You know, why Why do you feel like you deserve 10000 Like, you can you can look at my track record, you know, and I can guarantee you that you'll be happy with the result, you know, after at the end of every week. You know, I, my name is so clean that, you know, it's it's like a, a, a police record. I don't have one. There's nothing negative that you can say about me when it comes to touring and handling my business. So, you know, I'm saying 10 and then they'll come back and say, okay, what about five? And I'll come back and say, well, what about eight? 
you know, they're we're in the negotiation process now, so obviously they want to try and work it out. So, you know, just, you know, take a chance and, and eliminate the fear factor and go for what you want. You know, and if you don't, you never will know. And if it's if the gig is for you, it's for you. If it's not, then you won't have it. And, and you just got to look at it like that. Yeah, well, Matt. <laughs> no, nah, I mean... <laughs> You you got to be willing to walk away, Kyle. If I offer you less than you want, just say no. I mean, you know, I walk away. I don't have a problem walking away. It, I mean, there's a few situations that you know of. I I I get that, and I respect that. I mean, we all got jobs to do, and I mean, I'm not just saying about you it's and not me. Even you know? a job. It's not to cut you up. It's about. It has to make sense for my family. Hundred percent. I'm, I'm I'm leaving. Again, what we do for our, what we do that we love gives our family the comforts that they, that they embrace. And if I have to sacrifice my time with my family so that my son can go to the best schools and have the the nicest homes and blah, 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 you know, you got to pay me because the artist is getting theirs. They live in a lovely, lavish lifestyle. Why shouldn't I live a, a portion of that? And I'm the extension of what they do to keep them making this kind of money. Exactly. So, I mean, I'm not saying that <clears throat> we're the only ones that make them do what they do, but we are definitely an extension of that. You know, so if they have a, a show that sounds terrible, what do the what do the what do the people say? Such and such sounds terrible. I'm never going to go see another show. And when they sound incredible, such and such sound incredible. I can't wait to go to all their shows. So, at the end of the day. You are an extension of them having more and more dates, or you could be one that make them not want to be seen again. So you you hold and even with the band, let that drummer be off off. Let that groove not be there. It throws the whole song off. It it doesn't feel right. So you can't make all the money and give your supporting cast nothing. And then expect them to come to work every day. Hey, how you doing? I miss my kids. Hey, how you doing? I miss my wife. How are you doing? Shit, I just bought a 98-foot yacht, a 256-seater private plane, and put on this shit in your face. And you can barely, you have to rent. You can't own no shit. So, yeah, we got to get ours, too. Well, I mean, of course I agree with you. but, but you No, I do. Of course I do. But But, but it's like I said. You know, it's it's not what you say; it's it's what you negotiate. And, it, and I agree. It, and I'm I'm with you. I agree with you that you got to be able to walk away when it's not right. The 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 flip side to my philosophy on what you negotiate is, if you always take less than what you want, then you're definitely not worth what you say because you're worth what you're always taking, which this is, is less. that's that is your choice. That's on you. I mean, but again, I understand the way negotiation goes. I understand the perception of what the artist gets and what the crew is left with. But as a general, you know, general business philosophy across all industry, you know, you got to you got to negotiate what you can and when people offer you less, you got to be willing to say no and not just because and you can't think well, if I don't get this money, then my family's going to have that much less money. You also have to think, I can't pigeon my whole, myself 
into always taking this money because then I'm never going to have the money that I'm looking to make. I, I have to be willing to say no to justify my position. If they still won't pay, then cool. Get somebody who's not as good. Cool. That's on you because I'm going to get mine and I'm going to get gonna call back. You're going to call me back, Matt. Me. And, and then you are worth what you say. And then you're negotiating from, you know, from a position of strength and getting what you deserve. You know, again, I'm, I'm kind of moving around, but along the same theme, you know, I, I used to book a lot of talent, not just in terms of putting crews together and, and, and tour packages and what have to, but as a booking agent, booking shows. And, you know, one of the things that I learned early was when you're trying to put together charitable events, everybody always thinks that the artist should take less money, but the smart artists, they don't. They say, if you want me for this, you still got to pay me because if they're always taking less to do, you know, this charity, that charity, this, you know, cause that cause, then they're devaluating, they're devaluating themselves. And here's the thing. When the artist does something for charity, Hey man, Hey everybody. So I'm doing this for charity. You're doing this for charity, not me. So don't hit me with that charity. Just pay me what I, my normal situation and we'd be good. I don't want to hear your charitable cause. Man, don't give me started. a multimillionaire, a multiple millionaire. You know, we're on our, we're on, we're on the ascent to becoming millionaires, except you, Matt, because you live on an Island, of course. <laughs> nonetheless, since we're on the ascent to being that millionaire, don't tell me it's for charity. I don't care what you're doing. Pay me my money. This makes you look good. And on the red carpet and blah, 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 which I don't care about because at the end of the day, like you said, they say, well, I don't have to, I can't do this for the entire band. I'm talking about me. I'm not talking about the band. I'm not talking about the lighting crew. Chris isn't talking about the background singer. He's not talking about the keyboard player. He's talking about him and his family. And again, all deals are, and we all sign these NDAs per se. So that's per, that's per you. Don't talk to me about the whole. The whole comes together once we do the pr production. At the end of the day, I get a check. My check doesn't hit my account, your account, Chris's account, everybody else. It's my account. It affects my family. So don't talk to me about what the rest of the band is doing. I, I speak for Kyle T. Chris speaks for Chris Johnson. Matt speaks for whatever artist he's working for. So, again... I don't I don't like hearing conversation then also makes it then when they make it feel like you should be glad to work for XYZ. It's actually the opposite. They should be glad to have people of our caliber behind them to make sure that their production goes off without a hitch and to know that their production gives them peace of mind. When an artist doesn't have to sound check because they know their front of house monitor and band is going to be on point, that gives them more time to get their minds self show ready so they can come out there and do a kick-ass performance for the 15, 20,000 people on any given night. If he or she has to wonder if, I wonder if my dancers are going to be on, I want the drummer's going to be on the, on the one today, or if he's going to be on the one end, you know, <laughs> these situations give them peace of mind so they can go and be the beast that they are. But if they think about everything else, but what they're supposed to be doing, it messes up the whole situation. Well, I'm only going to say to that that I think it's actually both. That the those of us who are working in service of the artist, as BNC Party work in service of the artist, should aspire to be proud to be working with and for that artist 
and vice versa, that the artist should also aspire to be proud of the people that make their lives easier and make them look better and sound better and play better and all of those things. But Kyle, with respect, I mean, this is Chris's interview, so I'd rather hear from him a little more if you don't mind. So we're just going to move on. A thousand pardons. Motherfucker. So next in the 10 ways, I like that we're going through this. It it definitely sparks some interesting conversation here. Number four, keep learning, evolving, and practicing. I think that's pretty obvious. I'm just going to move on to five, which is similar. Rehearse enough. Actually, I like this. Rehearse enough to enjoy the show. What do you say to that, Chris? I mean, I think that's smart, but but tell us a little more about that. Yeah, I, you know, we crack jokes. You know what I mean? If I, it, if we're in the middle of playing a song or something happens, you know, we're all on the talkbacks. So I'm talking about Kyle and all of us. Like, you know, we cracking jokes. We laughing at people. We're, you know, like somebody going off and enjoying themselves. Like, yo, this lady over here is going ham. You know, like just enjoy being able to see the things around you and enjoy the show and like playing the show is second nature. It's like you almost, your body is doing what it's supposed to do on autopilot and you're just kind of looking around and, you know, just enjoying everything, getting new, um, finding new things in the show. Like, oh, I didn't really notice that before. Like, you know, keeping it fresh, keeping it interesting. You know, going back to, to what I said about my mom in preparation. Like, if I get the music, you know, the first of the month and rehearsal is not until the end of the month, I feel like I should have the music down. At least what was giving to us, have that rehearsed already. So when I get to rehearsal, now we're just perfecting, you know, what the arrangement actually is. You know, preparation is everything, you know. So if you're rehearsed, you know, like I said, I play the sh- I play rehearsals like the shows you know, just so I know how it's, it's going to feel and the effect it's going to have on everybody else. So we won't be surprised. Like, I'm not going to play no lick in a show that I didn't play in rehearsal. You know, that's not going to make sense, you know, because it's going to catch people off guard. It might throw them off. You know, certain dancers, you know, the dancers are sticklers, you know, to, to the beat being a certain way. Even if it's just demoing, an arrangement for the artist to hear. They hear it and they send it to the dancers and this little hi-hat thing I played, I didn't play in rehearsal and they're looking for it. So, you know, it's all those little things, those little nuances and small little things. If you're prepared for those things and, you you know, you can just have fun instead of thinking about it. Like, nobody wants to think about a show while they're playing it. You know, you just want to play it. I've definitely seen a drummer trip a dancer in the groove. It was actually kind of funny. Like, I didn't know that was possible. But a dancer tripped because the drummer threw a different groove out there and wore her out. That's funny. I I definitely believe that. I've been, I talked on another episode of how I've been managing these three young ladies, Nora Yar and Rosa, that are these three young dancers from the Netherlands there. And, And everything about what they do starts with the music. And if they're not feeling the music, they're not doing the dance and they're hearing things different from the way I'm hearing it. And, and exactly to, to your point there, you know, they have to feel that music in order to be able to do the routine, the way they know to do the routine, the way they feel that routine. And, and they hear nuance and things that I don't hear. And, and if it's different, from what they're thinking it is or what it should be or what they're looking for, 
they might not be feeling it. And, and to me, that difference might be imperceptible, but it means everything to them. So that makes total sense from, from a drummer perspective. And, and also, you know, we talk about the commonalities with athletes and, and I kept thinking that the phrase that was in my mind the whole time you were explaining that was muscle memory. That, right. Like you're, you're, you're training your muscles, your body, your mind to be prepared for that sequence in that scenario to do it just from muscle memory. And by being able to do that, it makes you more relaxed. You're not trying to learn it in the moment. You're just prepared to do it and therefore able to appreciate it and, and, in, and enjoy the moment. That's, pr- that's basically what it is. So moving on then, number six, just be yourself. I think that's fairly self-explanatory. Number seven, I like, take advantage of modern opportunities. Tell us about that. Of modern opportunities? That's the way it's written. Take advantage of modern opportunities. And the explanation that was provided to me in summary by our tech support who summarizes these things for me in advance. I won't lie. It's not that I'm doing it on the fly. He basically said, educate. You have a team. (laughs) Exactly. He said, educate yourself with all available platforms. So you're ready to handle all aspects of the job. Yes. Okay. I know. I I know what that means now. Um, Now with drumming today, there's a bunch of electronics and things involved um, with the playing, you know, triggers, you know, the sounds from the records, you know, Rihanna, J-Lo, Gaga, maybe not uh, Stevie Wonder or, you know, Patti LaBelle or any of those type of artists. But, you know, the modern day music, you know, the trap music, you got most of the R&B now is electronic. It's not a lot of live elements in. So sneaking in the live stuff um, with within the electronics makes the artist feels like it's more you know, of the record being played. That's that's what they want to hear in, anyway. But um, yeah, you got to gotta be savvy with electronics. Yamaha has a nice um, system, a Roland. Uh, you can always go with Roland. Um, Akai, you know, Drumcat from back in the day. You know, like all of these, you know, nice uh, samplers and controllers and, you know, uh, multi-12 pad from Yamaha. Like, I, I like those. You know, I, I like they're easy to use. They don't hurt as much on, on your hands as you're playing them. You know, you gotta kind of adjust between the live and the the electronic, you know, velocity and striking. Like when you're striking it, so it's um it's very important to have those you know those modern feels and everything to your playing for sure. And I'm sure that goes for keyboard players and everybody else too. And anybody who works in technology and in any industry, which we've talked about at length as the concert industry becomes increasingly a technology industry. Yeah. So number eight, again, self-explanatory, though we talk about this a lot on this podcast, take care of your health. That's, it seems self-explanatory. You can certainly explain it, but I, I mean, we talk about mental health. We talk about physical health. We talk about the importance of, of really just, as Kyle says, finding balance. And, uh, and I think that speaks for itself, especially when you are away from home on the road and yeah. what have you. 
So I will also then move on to number nine, be adaptive. So tell us a little about being adaptive. Um, the shortest answer is, you know, every camp is different. You know, you don't usually have to adapt to certain things if it's always running the same way. Like different management teams, different production teams, different artists, you know, different A parties, different B parties, you know. Some B parties, the dancers are involved in the B party, you know, riding the same buses, you know, as other people. You have to act like, you know, you've been there before, like nothing shaking you or phasing you from doing what you're there to do. And that's to, you know, perform, you know, being able to adjust on the fly, like something that you're not used to, you know, get used to it, you know. And if you don't like it or if there's something that you would like to say, then say it. You know, be be able to have the freedom to say what you want, you know, and, and when you sign that contract and you agree to the terms, it, you know, that's basically it, you know, so just do the best you can, adapt the best you can, you know, and, and keep yourself prepared for something new, like, because anything could change at any moment. Well, there it is. And finally, on your 10 ways, and then we will move on. I like this one. Perhaps, most of all, you've been a perfect example of this so far on this podcast, in spite of Kyle's poking and prodding. Number 10 is stay humble. Well, you know, yeah, you got this it. is what I'm doing. I'm just being honest. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, I think I think Kyle's a little jealous of your style. What, what do you think? Hey man, nah, he's nah, he he knows what's up. He knows peace, 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 peace. He's not he knows what's up. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle is he's only he's only he's only joking, but like seri- in all seriousness, you know, we all are gods in our respects, you know, in our own respects. And knowing that God is, you know, the man upstairs, like the God um, holds all the power and he can, he can give it and take it away at any point. You know, we have to treat ourselves as if, you know, we are very confident in knowing what we do, you know, and that's why we're, we're here and and, and on those gigs and there. Um, it is important to also know where your help comes from, know where your power comes from, know where, um, you can channel that energy at any point in time, you know, where you're feeling, you're not feeling your best that day, but you know that there's something above you that um, has the power to change those things. And that's what keeps me humble. Um, I can't ever get ahead of myself and think that I'm just God's gift to to music and drums and this, that, and the third, because there's always, you know, players out there that are doing incredible things you know, stylistically going back to that, you know, that you just have to find a way to set yourself apart, you know, from everybody else. And being humble is not a common thing in, I would say, the drummer world, because it's a very arrogant seat. You know, you have to have a a, a certain level of confidence to play drums, because it's a lot of pressure and it all falls on you, you know, at a certain point. So um, just kind of staying humble and, and, you know, Staying on your toes, you know, still willing to learn. You don't know everything. Every MD works differently. So you got to be able to just be like, you know what? I know 
he's wrong. I know she's wrong, but I'm going to just go with it. I'm going to respect her as the MD or him as the MD, do what I need to do. And then maybe we can talk about it later to make it, you know, better or makes it, you know, a better situation for everybody. You know, not being the guy that's like, no, you're wrong and you're whack. Like, you know, in the middle of rehearsal, embarrassing people, like, you know, that's that's double W. That's what's up. That's wrong the, and whack. <laughs> you know, it's like you're not you're on a throne. You should you should not you should not be doing that. And you know, you know, you should not be doing that. You should have, you know, enough, you know, to to just say, you know what, I can wait or I can deal with this. This is nothing. Like this, this is so minor to to the overall goal of what you know what and why we're here. Like you know, what we don't have to actually go there. I'm gonna just I'm gonna just chill, you know. I'm gonna just chill. So keeping it fresh, keeping it funky, you know, willing to learn more, you know, all of those things will will help in the you know humility factor. Just stay humble. There's no other way to say it. You know, I'm just grateful. And appreciative to to everything and everyone you know that is that's even helped me to get to where I am today. You know, all artists in the individually, musicians, you know, bands alike. You know, I love you know just learning and playing new things and 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 I think that's what's gonna keep it fresh. That's what's gonna keep it you know humble. Like I am very aware of what I can bring to the table. You know, but also very aware that it could be taken away at any given time. So um, that's my philosophy on that. Well, I like all of that. I think Kyle's just mad that he just found out you make a dollar more than he does. According to Matthew, when Matt when Matt calls me, I know I'll be making a dollar more than Kyle. <laughs> So I'm going to negotiate high so we can at least maintain our status quo. You know what I'm saying? Cool. I'm cool with that. So a couple more questions for you, Chris, before we get you out of here. I I mentioned your brand endorsements before. Yamaha, Remo, Sabian, and Vader. I hope I got that right. To our young listeners out there, any general guidance or suggestion you have for them to tell them how you position yourself to attain these endorsements or what they can do to get endorsements? All right. We keeping it real? Yeah. Okay. Of course. Nothing All right. First, first you have to figure out if this is even what you're supposed to be doing. Um, there are thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of musicians out there that are trying to get support and endorsements from these companies that honestly – don't really need you to play their <laughs> their product or to represent their company because they have so many other, you know, things that support them better than you doing a tour and supporting and them supporting you. So the example is with drummers, just just off the cuff, you have all the universities across the board. They have Yamaha drums or Pearl, Remo heads. So the 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 the, uh, the revenue coming in from the universities and the schools and marching bands and orchestras are way more than the pop world and the you know the the world that we come from. So getting an endorsement is not the easiest thing, especially right now in this day. 
because there's so many things and so many people that have kind of messed it up um, over the years. Uh, I think the first step is actually, you know, am I supposed to be doing this? And if I am supposed to be doing this, I will invest in my own career, meaning I'm not just looking for free shit. You know, I have to invest in it. So I have to go out and purchase these snare drums and purchase these heads and cymbals to see what I actually like to develop my sound. Some people sounds develop on somebody else's dime. You know, if if everybody sent me everything that I've ever gotten, they established my sound. I didn't establish my sound. You know, so setting yourself apart, it goes back into setting yourself apart stylistically. You know, you have to develop your own sound and you have to pick the companies that understand you as a player. You know, so with Yamaha, they have a lot of versatile drums, drum sounds. I play a, a lot of different genres on these tours. So I have to have a, you know, a selection of, of drum sounds that I could fall back on. You know, same with Sabian and cymbals and same with, you know, you know Vader, not so much because I use one drumstick, but the heads and the cymbals and the drums are, are super important. You know, if you are to be doing this and you reach out to a certain company and they say, well, we're not interested, but if that is your particular sound, then you should still be okay. You know, at some point you will receive the support. And if you don't, like like I said before, then it, it wasn't really meant for you. A lot of kids feel like that they're supposed to be living out dreams of other people. Like they'll see me playing on the stage with whomever and they say, that's what I want to do. But is that exactly what you're supposed to be doing? Is the question you should ask yourself first. And then you can pursue everything else after that. That's that's the realest I can give it to you. Nobody's giving out endorsements like that anymore. Um, if it's for you, then it will be. All right. Endorse yourself and it'll come for you. Yeah, you have to invest in, in your career. Like, don't depend on anybody else to invest in yep. your own thing. You'll be wait you'll be waiting forever. Well, I like that. I appreciate it. I think that's sound advice. One more before we move into our quick hits, then tell us about your book. So basically it's um uh, it's just my interpretation of um gospel pop and R&B drumming. I I feel like they're all kind of intertwined stylistically nowadays. In gospel, you'll hear pop and R&B stuff. Uh, In the pop world, it's like some gospel changes you have and, you know, sounds that that remind you of gospel and R&B. Like, they're all kind of intertwined. And I come from the angle of the non-traditional style of of drumming. That's you know, self-taught, you know, learning on the fly. I talk about that in the book, experiences in in which I had to develop a sound, you know, certain artists wasn't happy with, you know, what I was doing. So I had to make the adjustment and, you know, talking about, you know, learning songs, breaking down grooves, you know, some practices that I do uh, in my practice time to, to help, you know, dexterity and hand placements and you know, striking the drum a certain way, you know, learning the, you know, not to put so much pressure on the engineers, you know, the, but to be be able to play dynamically, you know, with volumes and 
you know, touch and, and all of those things. I, I touch on a lot of that stuff in the video. It has some, um, I'm sorry, in the book. It has some video attached to it as well. I played a few songs um, with just click tracks so you can actually play the song back. To play along with it, you could take my drums out, you know, play along with the song that I just played. Like it's it's very interesting and non-traditional. Uh Hal Leonard uh is the publishing company and they approached me with this idea and I, you know, I thought it was it was actually kind of cool for them to, you know, to ask me to do this. I, I think it was taking a chance as well because uh, you know, I don't have any notation experience and all of that stuff. So I had to get with the transcriber and you know, I'm sitting in my room and I'm writing down like just my thoughts and as they come to me and, you know, different um, styles, different artists, different, you know, talking about the road, talking about conversations I've had with Stevie Wonder, talking about, you know, sitting in a room and standing in a room with people that didn't speak to me or didn't acknowledge my presence was even in the room until after they heard me play, you know, handling pressures of, you know, is he good enough, you know, not being confident in my own self, in my own playing at a certain time in my career. And, you know, all of those things that, you know, just life, like you said, life things and life principles that can also help you in just regular day life versus, you know, just musically and playing drums. Well, I think that sounds fantastic. I can't wait to read it myself. Do you know when it's coming? Uh, we are still getting. Uh, we are still getting um, things in order. We have some publishing issues that we have to tackle. We got to get a couple of people to sign some signatures. Um, Kyle actually mixed and mastered uh, the audio on the book. Thank you, Kyle. Thank um, you. Zach. It was it was it was awesome. It was it, it was <laughs> it was refreshing to do a project like that because. One, when you brought it to me, I didn't know what to expect. And then when I got into it, I was like, wow, so what's up? Yeah, so, yeah, the book the book should be coming out uh, later this year. I mean, we've had a few setbacks, you know, including the pandemic and everything else. But um, when I receive a date, it'll be all, it'll post it on all socials and it'll do, there'll be a media blast and everything else. So I would love to come back and even you know, talk about the book even more if I could. Well, we would definitely love to have you back and hear more about it. You've been fantastic. So let's just go into our quick hits as we wind down for today. Start thinking about the next time around. Your first tour, who was it with? Uh, first tour was Donnie McClurkin, a gospel artist. He was like one of the one of three platinum selling artists at that time. It was like 99, 2000. Um, it was him, Fred Hammond, and actually it was one of four, Yolanda Adams and Kurt Franklin at the time. So those were the four heavy hitters um, of gospel at that time. All right. And your single favorite best moment or experience that you can relate? Um, what year was that? 2008, 2009. Um, we were in London with Stevie Wonder. It was the Diamond Jubilee uh, for Queen Elizabeth. The after party was at 
Buckingham Palace. Went to the after party. Walk in the party, and the first thing I see is um, Stevie Wonder, Paul McCartney, Grace Jones, Tom Jones, and um, oh my God, Elton John. They were all standing in a circle at a party, just like having fun, like laughing, conversation. I mean, nobody would, would you know, believe me. Because if I would have taken out my phone, I'd have got kicked out the party. That's what that was one of the stipulations. So that was the most amazing thing that I could see. Like um, a bunch of great songwriters, artists, musicians, and they were just like regular people. Just like if if me and my boys was to get together, and we're standing in a circle, you know, having a conversation. That I thought that was super super awesome. I like that. I like that a lot. So. This is my favorite question that we ask everybody. If there is any one thing about the industry you'd like us to do better, what is it? Uh, I would say listen. I would say listen because, you know, sometimes we get stuck in a traditional way of doing things, especially like management. You know, listen, listen to your artists, be listen to uh, the people that are working for your artists, listen to management, listen to production, take note, like not even with the monetary thing. Like we, we can talk about that all day. I don't anticipate that on changing. We just have to move a certain way. But, you know, like that song does not work for this section of the show or this song is too long. Or, you know, maybe when you record songs in the studio at a certain key and the energy and the the energy is set at that and the frequency is set at that certain point to where it makes people feel a certain way. Maybe we should not drop the key down for live because it's going to create a different energy. You know, certain things like that affects how things work. Maybe can listen more, just pay attention more, like be more. Uh, apt to, you know, doing things differently versus continuing to do things the same. Well, I like everything you're saying to us, Chris. So on that note, any shout outs or parting shots? Um, honestly, just with uh, the nature and the state of the world right now, um, I really want to shout out family. I want to shout out my wife, my kids. You know, my mom, my immediate family, my brothers, you know, for being so patient and understanding, you know, with me. And and I'll say us generally because, you know, our job takes us away from our family. Like, I'm going to have to leave my family in about 30 minutes for a week, you know, the first time ever since the pandemic. So, you know, it's going to be different. You know, the routines and everything that we've developed, you know, are going to be kind of shaken up right now. But. I appreciate my family and the patience that they have. Um, Shout out to uh, everybody that struggles with mental health. Um, There are ways to win. You know, everything is not a loss. You know, there's efforts that needs to be taken toward mental health. Um, I would say seek the help and get it. Like, don't be ashamed. You know, there's nothing wrong with struggling mentally 
you know, in times like these, anxiety and, and things of that nature, you know, don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. You know, get the help. You're not in this fight alone. You know, we all struggle with it. You know, I can say that I do, you know, but I, I've i learned over the, the course of time that, you know, you have to do things uh, differently in order to get a different result from what, you know, what, what the normal was. So um, shout out to you guys, shout out to the engineers, you know, shout out to the, my fellow musicians and bandmates, you know, I love creating and playing with you guys on stage. It helps me, you know, cope with, you know, certain things that go on in my life and through the daily, um, shout out to my kids, you know, my, my constant inspiration, uh, for me doing this, um, and that's it, pretty much. Go vote. Vote in these local elections. You know, I'm not worried about the presidential uh, election so much. It's these judges and these council members and uh, police chiefs and all of these guys that we need to be voting on and researching. Uh, let's let's get out there and make our voice heard. You know, the police brutality and racial inequality uh, is more recognized now during this pandemic because everybody's at home. So let's do our part and do what we need to do to get involved, to create change. You know, it's not going to come overnight, so don't get discouraged. You know, keep your head up high, keep your mental straight, handle your business, and, you know, you only got one life, so live it to the fullest of its potential. Well, there it is. Shout out to you, Chris Johnson, great drummer, great philosopher, great human being. We appreciate you being with us. I, I love everything you had to say today. I would only amend one thing. I, for one, am concerned about this presidential election. So please, God, every one of you, vote. To Chris's point, vote local as well as national. Just vote. And as I say every week, wear a fucking mask. <laughs> Makes a difference. And wash your hands. Wash it. Just even soap if you're and just water. going out on the Yeah, I mean, even if you're going out on the golf course, I'm just saying, just wash your fucking hands. It's not so complicated. Even my 10-year-old gets it now. So Shout out to our fans, our listeners. Shout out to everyone out there struggling. Again, Chris, you, you hit on so much. You were great. I can't wait to have you back and uh, talk more about your book. See if we can't get you $2 more than Kyle. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing one, and a, one and a half would be good. Uh, <laughs> one and a half dollar. You going, I'm going to go up too. <laughs> Man, well, I mean, Chris, you might have to have a conversation with Kyle. You don't want him pricing you out of the game. I'm just. Again, I'm, here it is. Uh, negotiation only what you negotiate. No, Kyle. Between me and you. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle T is high post, so I know it's going to be high. I'm, I'm good. There it is. Well, Chris Johnson. Again, it's been a pleasure to my brother Kyle, to Dallas. Didn't hear a lot from you today, but I know you're there. We love you. Glad that uh, we didn't lose you to the storm. At least I don't think we lost you to the storm. Dallas, no. you there? Oh, there she is. Oh, I'm here. I've just been like, you know, I went to school, I think. You know, I had to get in those 10 ways of becoming successful. So, um, good start. Her, her bonds. 
Right. <laughs> you just diversify some more. Well, to our brother Banks as well, we missed you today. We always miss you when you are not around. I hope wherever you are, you are enjoying one of your breakfast cocktails right That's now. That's the bank right there, little breakfast cocktail. There it is. Well, on that note, to all, thank you and good day.